songs. We'll sing the old songs. We'll sing the new songs. It's really not um, what style we sing. It's that we sing, and we sing with our whole hearts, and we engage our whole mind with Him because we're supposed to worship Him in spirit and in truth. And so we're thankful that you're here today. I'd love a chance to meet you after the service. We also have some information we'd love to put in your hands if you haven't gotten it already. But we want you to know that we want you here. We're excited that you're here among us. And we want to make much of Jesus now as we open His Word. You know, it's that time of the year, kind of like Christmas, where as a pastor, you don't really have to guess what you're going to preach on. Um, Not a whole lot of effort put into what passage. There's four Gospels and a couple of passages in the New Testament. You know, I could get really creative and go to an Old Testament passage if I wanted to. But we've been going through the the last chapters of the Gospel of Luke, looking at the last week of Jesus' life over the past few weeks. We've noticed that it was really easy for people to miss Jesus, even in the midst of him being with them. So he's teaching them. He's standing right there with them, and they seem to miss who he is constantly. His own disciples miss it. Uh, The people that he's speaking to miss it. The religious people miss it. Um, In their religion, they're missing that God is king. In their lives, they're missing that he's going to return and he's going to come back and judge. They're waiting for a king to come and overthrow the Roman Empire and give them peace. That's what they think will bring peace. And yet last week we looked at the fact that Jesus is weeping over Jerusalem, realizing that the only way that they would ever have peace is that if he would himself suffer and die in their place, bringing justice against sin and bringing peace to those who would believe. And so today I hope you find that peace. You find that peace not just in a crucified Savior, but in a Savior who is risen again. You know, we say it often around here that to get to the resurrection, you have to go through the crucifixion. We tend to be people who want resurrection without crucifixion but they go hand in hand. So in your life, if you've come in here today and you feel like you're in the midst of suffering and crucifixion, maybe injustice itself, I want you to hear that He is risen, that He has defeated the great enemy, that He has defeated death, He has defeated sin, and if you will trust Him today, you can find peace, rest, hope, and life. And so we want to tell you about that Savior. Luke chapter 24 tells the story. And so if you just follow along in your copy of God's Word, if you didn't bring a Bible with you, there's one in the pew back in front of you. I encourage you to follow along. Luke chapter 24, the Word of the Lord says this, But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood and stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. It took angels to remind them, but they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told, the, who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. 
But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? And he said to them, What things? That's just a fun question, isn't it? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. They've already given up hope that he was the Messiah. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer those things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he was going farther. They urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. And as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. And they were startled and frightened and thought that they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate, ate it before them. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. This is God's word. We thank him for what he has told us, but it's so often that we read his word and just like the disciples and just like these people who are around Jesus, we miss it, right? We just miss it. How many instances does Jesus in this passage of scripture go, remember the law and the prophets and what they said? Remember what the Bible said about what must happen? And so today I want to challenge us and encourage us with three questions from this passage that will help us not miss Jesus, that will help diagnose our hearts so that we don't miss Jesus in the midst of the resurrection, that we're not just empty tomb people, we're Jesus walked out of the empty tomb people. See, everybody knew there was an empty tomb. The guards knew there was an empty tomb. 
Pilate knew there was an empty tomb. The word spread that the tomb was empty. But the people who believed that Jesus walked out of the tomb were few and far between. We must be people of Jesus, not just an empty tomb. And so these three questions, I hope, will pierce right to our hearts, will help to expose where we struggle with faith. We had a great time this morning already baptizing a a little one, Emma, in our midst. And she um, plainly says to everyone, make sure that they know that she loves Jesus. But loving Jesus is not what saves her. It's trusting Jesus. So I ask you today, do you love Jesus? Because that's essential. That's important. But salvation is by trusting Jesus, by believing Jesus. And so the story begins with these ladies who go to the tomb because they love Jesus. Right? They've been following Jesus. The disciples are gathered in a room because they love Jesus. They're mourning. The two guys on the, on the road to Emmaus, they're mourning because they loved Jesus. But not a single one of them seems to have trusted Jesus at this point. They had heard him say that he must suffer and die and rise again. I don't know about you, but I would want to think, but evidently I probably wouldn't have, but I would like to think that if Jesus, who I believe to be the Messiah, came to me and said, remember what the Scripture says, that the Son of Man must die and then on the third day rise again, I'd like to think that on Sunday I'd have been hanging out at the tomb to see what happened. I mean, think about it. It's like, Jesus, I trust you. You're, you die, and I'm going to, oh, let me go hide in a room. I, mean, you, I'm just, I wanted to see it. But what we learn is that until the Spirit allows them to understand who Jesus is and what His mission is, they're absolutely blind to it. And they miss Him. Oh, that we would not miss Jesus today. I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus does not want you to miss him today. And the way I know that, not because I can read your mind or know everything about your life, but one thing I know about your life today, everybody in this room, is that you're in this room. Can we all agree on that? And you're here for a purpose. And he desires you to know that he doesn't want you to miss him. He doesn't want you to miss him in the midst of Easter. He wants you to see him for who he is. So the first question I want us to see today is, why do you seek the living among the dead? Here come these three ladies, and they go in, and they're going to serve, right? And they want to prepare Jesus for his true burial. They have put him in the tomb during the Sabbath. Now they've got to prepare him with ritual cleansing, and they show up, and they love him. And they're distraught when they see that he's not there, but... Angels tell them that he is risen. And the way they tell them is with a question. Why do you seek the living among the dead? Now, it would have been quicker and easier for the angels simply to say, hey, he's alive like he told you he would be. Right. But oftentimes, aren't we asked questions in order to expose our own hearts? And this question is meant to expose their hearts. Why do you seek the living among the dead? If you read through the passages we did, you see that there are, there's proof after proof that he is not dead and he is not some spirit floating around, but instead he is flesh and bone. In fact, the words are used, flesh and bone. He holds out his hands to be touched because he's touchable. 
Because he's flesh and bone. He's alive. He speaks. He eats. He is no spirit. Think about the guys walking on the road to Emmaus. It's the day Jesus is supposed to come back from the dead. And he shows up next to you on the road. Starts walking with you. Your eyes are blinded, it says, to seeing him for who he is. They missed him. They missed him in their grief. This should have been a joyous moment had Jesus shown up next to you and you had heard he was supposed to rise from the dead and he shows up to talk to you on the road to Emmaus. But instead, when he says, hey, what are you guys talking about? Their response is to stop and be sad. Their eyes were closed. Their minds did not remember what he had told them. Are you like me that in the midst of distraught situations, you forget the truth? Do you have to find people in your life to speak truth into your life when you're in those moments? So, so here's something that you may not know about me. People who have been around for a while know this about me, but some of you may not. I hang out from like melancholy down. That's like my normal, right? Like I just like melancholy down. So I am not the like big upper to the room most of the time. I walk in and go, well, that's wrong. I'm just that guy sometimes, right? Um, for some reason, people still like to be around me sometimes. They, they tolerate me, maybe. But no, I, I, tend to, I tend to be a glass half empty guy. I have to fight to be a glass half full guy. Anybody else like that in here make me feel better about myself? Okay, good. Right? I mean, the, the fact is that that's kind of where I naturally hang out. It's only supernaturally by the power of the Spirit that I see the positive. I always see the angle. When I talk to people and I don't want to be that way. But when I'm walking through trial, I have a tendency to go towards this will never get better. And so I go to Jesus and say, if you can. And his response, I'm alive. Why do you keep acting like I'm dead? That's really what this question is, isn't it? He's alive. Why are you acting like he's dead? So do you believe he's alive? Why do we keep going back to the dead then? Acting like he's dead. Acting like he doesn't have power. Acting like he doesn't have all the might in all the universe and beyond that everything is held together by him. That if he wanted, he could snap his fingers or just stop speaking into, into existence and the whole universe would collapse on itself. That's the type of might and power he has. Can he handle your day-to-day struggles? He's alive. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? The second question goes right along with it. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? (laughs) So walking along the road, the guys are going, oh, we thought that he was the king we were waiting for. He was going to redeem Israel. I mean, now he's dead. And it's the third day and some ladies said that, you know, he wasn't in the tomb. We don't know what's going on. Other guys went down there. I mean, it's just horrible. (sighs) And Jesus goes, what's wrong with you? Have you not read your Bible? It's basically what he says. 
Didn't the prophets say, haven't you read, haven't you heard that the Son of Man has to suffer these things and then rise again? Why are you so downcast? It's the third day. They're going, it's the third day. And he's going, yeah, it's the third day. Hello? And we miss him. We miss him because right there in the midst of our anguish and suffering, we think it can't get any better. So maybe instead of being the half glass half full guy, you're the glass half or glass half empty guy. You're the glass half full lady. Which one? How many of you are glass half full people? Okay, so you're the glass half full people. So here's your problem. See, my problem. My problem is it's never going to get better. Your problem is. In the middle of everything being great, you miss him. You miss him. Because it's good. It's nothing to worry about. It's all good. And so you begin to not need him. Because things are good. You have strength. And all of a sudden you miss him. Think about this. This was the happiest day in the entire history of the world. And you got people who are disbelieving because of sadness, and the disciples are disbelieving because of joy. Don't miss that. We could miss Jesus in sadness and in joy if we forget what he's told us. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? What he does is he draws out their unbelief. He does the same thing to these guys as he does to the disciples in the room, right? He does the same thing there that the angels do to the ladies who come to the tomb. He draws out their unbelief. He's not questioning whether they love him. He's questioning whether they trust him. And he draws their attention to what he has said and what the Bible has said. Jesus all along has been quoting from Scripture saying the Son of Man must suffer many things and then rise on the third day, right? He's been saying this. He said it over and over and over again. Just in the last few chapters, he said it three times. And they've missed it. So he draws their hearts towards the Bible and towards his promises. And then he does something miraculous. As he exposes the whole Bible is about him. And let me pause there for just a second. You realize you can miss Jesus by reading your Bible? You can actually read your Bible the wrong way. The Bible is meant to point to Jesus. Jesus himself proves this on the road to Emmaus, doesn't he? He opens the word and begins to show them how the whole thing is about him. You can even miss Jesus in your Bible reading. That doesn't mean stop reading your Bible. It just means that read it the right way. Look for Jesus. Don't miss Jesus. So he does something miraculous through the Bible, through his promises. He opens their minds and their eyes to see the truth of Scripture, to see who he is and to see his true purpose. He makes it clear what he is there for, even in the moment where he takes the bread and he breaks it with the two guys. Right. And they their eyes are opened in that moment. Wait a minute. We've seen this before. They had seen it. Literally around the table. And they had seen it fully on the cross. That his body had been broken for them. And their eyes are opened to see his purpose, to see his plan, and to see 
his true identity. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's alive. He's not dead. He's defeated death. Remember, death was part of the plan. Is the second question, right? Wasn't it necessary for this to happen? Death was not a mistake. It was part of the plan. And he'll rise again. The third question is this. And as he goes into the disciples, he asks them this. As they see him and they go, what? Right? He, he gets in the room and this is what he says. Peace. He declares peace upon them. And their reaction is fear. Why? Because even in their joy of, oh, it's Jesus, they recognize Him and they're going, this is weird. This is freaking me out. And he asks the question, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? You can almost go backwards with this. You ready? Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into His glory? Why are you looking for the living among the dead? See how they all tie together? Meant to expose our hearts. If you read through the passage, you see these words to describe them. Perplexed. Startled. Frightened. Disbelieving for joy. Standing there sad. But as Jesus comes in, He offers peace. But not only does He offer peace for their troubled hearts and their troubled minds, He declares peace upon them. And I want to make sure you understand what He's declaring in that moment. What He's declaring is, I have made peace with God through My blood. Now I give it to you. I have paid for your sins. Trust Me. You now have peace with God. He's declaring peace upon them. And that same peace is offered to us through His promises, through the prophecies of the Old Testament that declare what had to happen to Him, through His presence with us, through His power. He declares to us peace with God. As He looked over Jerusalem and He wept, He says, if only you had known what brings peace. And He says the same thing to us, if only you knew what brings peace. What brings peace is not political power. What brings peace is not anything that we can accomplish, anything we can own. What brings peace is a Savior who dies in our place and rises again. And He offers you that peace today. So if you're perplexed by life, startled, fearful, my question for you would be why are you troubled? He's risen. Why are you troubled? He died to defeat the very author of fear and worry. Make sure everybody in the room knows this. When the Bible tells us, do not worry, then when we worry, it's called a... Whoo! Happy Easter! Right? Why do we not... Worry. Why should we not worry? Because the author of worry has been defeated by Jesus who died in your place. 
and rose again. When the Bible tells us, do not fear, and we go, fear. What's that called? (laughs) That's not to bash us over the head. That's to help us realize the reason we can have a commandment that says do not fear is because we have a God who's defeated fear. This isn't some trite saying, hey, I hope your life goes better. This is Jesus saying, if you would trust me that I died in your place and rose again and defeated the author of fear and doubt, you wouldn't have to worry or be afraid. So I ask you today, if you came in with fear, if you came in with doubt, if your life is going great right now, and you're trusting yourself to keep it going, my question for you is, Why do you seek the living among the dead? Fear is dead. Because death is dead. Worry and doubt is dead. Because sin is dead. Why are you seeking the living among the dead. Don't miss Jesus. We're going to, in just a few moments, have the kids come back in and they're going to join us for the Lord's Supper. But before they do, I want to make sure that we spend a couple of moments reflecting. So it may simply be that you're here today and you're a follower of Christ. Maybe you had not been in church in a really long time and Easter's the perfect time to show up and I hope today that as you've come, you've heard the greatness of Jesus and what he gives to you. Maybe it is that you've come today and you've known you needed to get back in church for a long time and you're looking for a church home. I'd love to talk to you about Old Powhatan. I love this place. I love the people here. And we want you to know that not only do we want you here, but we believe that Christ has a plan to do great things in your life. Because through his death and his resurrection... He has not just made a way for us. He's actually recreating us and making us new. He's giving us new life. That's what we like to celebrate around here. So uh, I I know that um, we celebrated with Emma earlier today. uh, And so I just think that that's worthy of honor and glory to Jesus for what he's done in her life. I think that was really fantastic. But... I want to offer at this point also, we're just going to go to the Lord in prayer for just a couple of moments as the kids get, come in. And if you, if you just want to give praise to the Lord, uh, would you do that? Just praise Him because He's alive. So we'll just bow our heads. I'll give you a couple of prayer requests that you can pray for, a couple of praises as well. But would you just lift those up to the Lord as you praise the Lord because He's alive and He's defeated sin and death. You can pray for the Irvine family. So they celebrated Charlotte's life this week, but also celebrated the fact that Jesus has defeated death and she is alive with Jesus. So pray for them. Pray for peace. Pray for Rosemary Kelly, who has bone cancer. Because our God can take away fear and He can take away illness. 
He bore our sorrows. He bore our infirmities. And He's defeated them. Father, we praise You because Jesus is alive. As no small thing, that is not a one-day celebration. That is a life that we get to live now to honor and glorify Jesus, to proclaim how excellent He is. We love to think about how much He loves us. We love to think about how much He cares for us. We know His grace and His mercy, and all of those are fantastic. We know His presence. We know His peace. But, Lord, I thank You that He is alive. Because without His new life, without new life from Him and new life for us in Him, peace would mean nothing. The power for our lives would be absent, and we would have no hope. So today we praise the living Lord Jesus. Help us to do that well as we take this meal to remember and celebrate and proclaim the Lord's coming. Lord, you're coming again. And we're going to live with you because you live. Help us to rejoice today because of that. In Jesus' name. I'm going to ask the guys to come forward for the Lord's Supper as we prepare our hearts. If you're a visitor with us and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, we invite you to take this meal with us. Kids, you go on to your parents. If you can see them, parents, stand up so they can see you. Okay? And then as soon as we're done with this, we're going to go out and we're going to celebrate together. So we come on in to our parents, okay? Come on in. Go on to your parents.